afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Wednesday, hump day. <laughs> Welcome to the Grit and Grace Recovery Hour. Today, we have the privilege of having creative women in our community, in our recovery community, in our lives, in our world. The gray matter is palatable, so I'm going to try not to be overwhelmed. This is a monumental occasion for us. This is our second broadcast. This is when it starts to get real. I want to thank you guys for being here with Tanisha and myself. First, I'm going to get you guys to introduce yourselves. Tell us a little about what you do. And ma'am, your name is? Tandiwe Vasquez. Tandiwe, what do you do? Well, I'm a certified peer specialist for parents. I work for Lookout Mountain Community Services. Basically, what I do is I use my lived experience as well as my certification to serve families. I know firsthand what it's like to raise a child that has a mental health challenge as well as a substance use challenge. And so I know what families go through. I know the many dynamics of that as far as the pain, the worry, the fear, as well as the hope. And so I'm a voice of hope. I use, like I said, my lived experience as well as my personal strengths to help build upon other family strengths so that they can experience recovery in levels that they didn't even know were possible. Wow. So thank you. And I know that's only just a segue into what you do. You know what I'm saying? Because as we know, we're going to get into later some of your more creative endeavors. And so for you, ma'am, what is your name and what do you do? My name is Andrea Serrano Beasley. I spent about 25 years in the restaurant hospitality business and left that to pursue recovery. And in order to keep my creative juices flowing, I have started painting. That's what I'm doing right now. I have applied to become a certified peer specialist and hope to turn that into a care certification and uh, hopefully go back to school and uh, I don't know, turn pain into purpose and move forward with both my life and be able to contribute to my community and help other folks heal. That's the goal. Wow, thank you very much for sharing that. To my co-host, once again, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Tanisha Character, and I am a person in long-term recovery. I started my recovery journey here in Rockdale, coming through the accountability courts. I'm a graduate and now I'm an alumni. I stay connected to my peers here in Rockdale. I try to empower and support my community and the people around me through recovery. And I have been a part of the Stepping Up team and helping in the creative marketing department, I guess, so to speak. So I've been able to now tap back into some of my talents and gifts that I've had for a while, but weren't using them in the right way. I'm just starting to see my talents and my gifts start to flourish through marketing, creating. I also love painting. Anything crafty is just right up my alley. But yeah, I'm loving it. Wow, so thank you. And as you guys already know, my name is Bill and I'm a person in long-term recovery as well. And I am part of the executive team for the Stepping Up Initiative. And what that means is I took the wrong road, but I still ended up in the right place. What that means is today that I have the privilege of working with our local government, with persons in recovery, and everybody else <laughs> to try to build a system that reduces the number of people in jails that have mental health and substance use challenges. Today, you get a chance to live my recovery out loud, and I get the chance to sit down and speak with some incredibly creative people, even though I'm not that creative, but I can live vicariously through this event, <laughs> and I will be forever changed. 
So with that being said, I'm going to ask you ladies, uh, let's just get into the meat of it. I'm going to ask you ladies, because all of us have had dark days before, and, and not to dwell on those things, but I want to ask you a question. What was it that helped you make it through your darkest day? Let me start with you, Andrea. What was it that helped you make it through your dark days? Well, my darkest moment, I realized that I wanted to try living before I died. I know that um, I cannot recover alone. I need people. I need connection. I need other women. I'm not done yet. I'm not done in this life yet. And to be really honest, I don't want my past to become my future. And I think that really keeps me the most motivated the most often. Wow. I want to thank you. That was so eloquently put. So powerful. So, Tandy, what is it that you would say helped you make it through your dark days? I would say two things. My faith, number one, that has always been a great help to believe in someone higher than myself is, I would say, crucial. In addition to that, my creative gifts, which is writing. A lot of times during some of the most challenging times that I experienced, I would write what I was going through. Sometimes it would be in the form of a play. Sometimes it would be in the form of a poem. Sometimes it might just be a one-liner, <laughs> but it has always helped me to really come higher and come above where I'm at, at a, in a certain circumstance or situation. So that's what I would, I would say. Wow, that is so powerful. And Tanisha, what, what would you say it is that helped you make it through your darkest days? You know, when you first asked that question, I thought, like, I don't know if there was something per se that really got me through my darkest days that was a positive thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> because in my dark days, I, I didn't use too many positive things to yes. get me through. I was self-coping. Yes. But if I had to think about just something that was implemented throughout my dark days and that I still use now is music. Because it speaks to my soul and it, it empowers me, it uplifts me. It gives me a little bit of hope to keep going. So yeah, music is probably the main thing because I had lost my spiritual connection in my dark days. So I can't even say that I had that. Although I know it was it was still there. I just wasn't connected yes. from my end. Now I have that spiritual connection. I still use music. I still use my creativity and I, I hadn't used that in my dark days. But now, you know, all of that is coming full circle and I'm able to use all of that in my recovery. Yes. So I want to thank you for sharing that. You know, because when I think about it myself, I realized that what happened, <laughs> what happened was, what well, you know, what happened, I didn't realize what was happening. I, I didn't realize what reality was at all. And, and I think that the only reason that I made it, that inside of us, there is this resilience, there's this indomitable thing that can't be crushed. And even when we're lost, even when we're, we've lost contact with our God, with our beliefs, or never had them, there's something about us that strives to, to achieve something negative or positive. I think that's the spirit. I think that's where my spirit is. Today, I realized that it was grace and mercy. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I know those people can shoot better than that. You know, I, I realized today it was grace and mercy. I realized today what it was. Like you said, Tanisha, I used a lot of negative coping mechanisms. And that's why I think it's so important that people hear our truth. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing these broadcasts is so that people can just hear our truth. Because our truth is what will set people free. And, and that was when it was dark. And so now that is brightened up a little. <laughs> and now that your future is so bright that you have to wear shades. <laughs> what is it? that drives you today? 
what is your why? I'm going to ask you that. Because I think that for so long, so many people are searching for their why and they don't know. And I remember when I didn't know, and so I was just kind of living by accident. I was just kind of just going through the motions, right? Today, knowing my why, wow, what an incredible place to be. So I'm going to ask you, lady, Tandy, what is your why? The reason why I do what I do as far as career and everything is my goal and my aim is always to inspire. I love to inspire people. I love to motivate people. I love to allow people to recognize their gifts and their strengths that have always been there, resident but dormant, and to activate them. A lot of people that I encounter, they have been so tied down by life that they forget who they are and they don't even realize the treasure within. My why is to show them where that treasure is, you know what I mean? By listening and then identifying something that they didn't even recognize as a strength. They always thought it was like, this always got me in trouble. And it's like, no, 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 no. If you do it that way, it will get you in trouble. But if we clean up the language, you'll be a strong advocate for your child. You know what I mean? And then when the light bulb comes on, wow. And then there, you know what I mean? Then it does something within me. And then that's my fuel to go to the next one. So going back to what you asked originally, my why is I want to inspire. I want to motivate. I want to encourage. I want to empower. I want to let people know that where they are right now is not going to be where they remain. They have not reached their destined lot. We're just on a journey and I'm going to be that voice to bring them on the other side. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm great. What is your why? I'm a survivor of uh, child sexual trauma, and growing up, I asked myself constantly, what if, what if things had been different? What if I had known this? What if my pain had been acknowledged? My why is so that, that I can advocate for other women that are survivors as well, so that nobody else ever has to ask, what if? What if I knew? What if I had done something different? That's, that's my why. Yes, I want to thank you so much for being vulnerable and so much for sharing that with us. Such an incredible revelation that we receive when people give us the privilege to hear their truth. I'm so grateful. Tanisha, what is your why? My why is because I have been given chance after chance after chance. And I knew <laughs> I was getting to the end of my day. <laughs> no, but um, to be serious, I do it to leave a legacy behind. I do it because I want to be a person that my children can look to and the positive memories can outweigh the bad. I also do it because I have people around me and I've met people through my recovery, like Mr. Bill, who will help support the newcomer, help embrace that newcomer. And I want to be able to do that same thing for other people I see coming in who are walking through the same thing that I walk through. Okay. I'm just really grateful for a second chance, a 12th chance, a 23rd <laughs> chance, you know, I'm just really grateful for that. I think that it gives, it gives me hope to see and hear other people's story and know that this is where they came from but I see somebody totally different and I want to be that same vision for somebody else I may have walked through some very tough times but if they can see that I have recovered then maybe that will give the next person hope too yeah yeah wow that is so powerful you know when I think of my why why, why not right I, when I think of my why because it's all I have left man it took me 50 years to even get to the door. That's a long time. I did a lot of time. I did a lot of crime. I experienced a lot of pain. I caused pain. When I came into the program, I heard people talking about giving back. And I didn't think I had anything to give. 
I thought that everything I had was dirty and everything that I had was bad. Never had an inkling of what I was going to do with all that. I used to carry it around like dirty clothes. Today, my experiences have purpose. Why? Because I was designed specifically to do this. I was designed specifically to let other people see that there's hope still. Because it's the only thing I have now. It's the only way I can make amends. Can't go back and remove the bandages. But I can speak victory into the next person. So I think that's very important. I want to thank you ladies for sharing those truths. So my next question I want to ask you is that the very foundation of recovery is about acceptance. And I know that for some of us, we have these revelations every day or these awakenings or whatever you call them, like multiple per day. You know what I'm saying? I want to ask you, what have you come to accept and believe that you might not have believed before? Because I think it's important because I think that people want to know how you facilitate recovery, how you maintain, how you sustain. What caused the shift? Because people always ask me, what changed, right? What did you have to come to accept? How did you make that change, that transition? And I'm going to start with you, Andrea. <laughs> I think you touched on something really important just a moment ago, and that is that shame dies in the light of the truth, you know, and the, uh, and the best gift that I can give to you or anybody else is a gift of my own vulnerability, you know, and that opens the door for you in turn to be vulnerable. Now we have a relationship. Now we're cooking with gas, you know, and that connection is three sides of connection with my source, with myself, and with other people. That's what I lost via my using. As I come into acceptance that this is a lifelong venture, a chronic, progressive, and fatal, it wants me dead. My morning prayers, thank you. Yes, <laughs> thank yes. you, thank you for opening my eyes. And, uh, yes. and, and I remind myself that I will always be an addict. That doesn't necessarily, that's not who I am, it's what I am. And yeah. that's, that's real different. Acceptance and surrender tied, you know, so yeah. closely together. So acceptance is the second part. First, I have to be aware, then I can be in acceptance and then I can get into some action. For a really long time, I didn't want to be in acceptance about anything because I was, I just, I thought I could do it all. And I thought it had to be a certain way. And I didn't realize how powerless I was, not just over my addiction, but over people, places, things, relationships, especially what people thought of me. And I had been running on false pride and just feeding off resentments for so long. I um, really kind of started to detach from really growing into my whole person. So staying in acceptance means staying not necessarily away from, but not getting too caught up in yesterday's memories and not getting too fearful about tomorrow's fantasy because it's not here yet. So really um, staying in the moment, staying in today, appreciating today for exactly what it is, appreciating where I am, exactly where I am, just where my feet are, staying grounded. That's my acceptance that keeps me in today. Acceptance mean to you, Candy? You know you've come to a lot of revelations as you've trudged the road to happy destiny to get where we are today. And, and you know, we've heard you speak on a lot of different platforms. So what is acceptance? What did that mean to you? And what does it mean to you today? Well, let's talk about what I had to accept as a parent. If anybody knows me, I love my children. I'm just that parent. You know, it's like I'm the one that's going to jump in the mouth of a shark to save their life and declaw a bear, you know, if I have to, to make sure that they're safe. What I had to accept, though, was that I was not in control 
though I can be a controlling parent because it's not that I want to control them as children. I want to control the environment so they don't have to experience any pain, any any hardship or anything. So if I can control everything around that, it's not that I'm a controlling to control them. I just want to control everything so they don't have to go through anything. I want them to be spared of that. But what was hard for me to accept that I had no control over was my son's own recovery. I had to do a lot to accept that. And I had to experience a lot of disappointment, tons of discouragement, days of feeling hopeless, ups and downs. One day it looked like we got a breakthrough. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's finally, it's happening. And then it was like, you know, everything just fell down. And I had to accept that his recovery is his recovery and my recovery is my recovery. And I can't control his recovery, but I can control mine. That was a lot. I had to accept the truth that there is a difference between me enabling my son and loving my son. That was a big thing for me because they were entwined with my actions. Because I love them so much, I was also enabling them, not trying to enable them, but was doing that. So I had to learn how to separate that. Once I was able to distinguish the difference, I had to accept that. Because that meant I had to accept that there is something that he might do, and he had already done so many times, but I could not intervene, and it may put him in, in a really you know bad place, and nobody wants that for their children, but those were his choices, and so I can't control his choices. And I had to accept that, that I cannot control my son's choices. And I got help through that, through peer support for those who are in active addiction, because they were able to connect with my son and then kind of share their input with me, which helped me be still a loving, supporting mother who would still do anything for her children, but at the same time, setting up boundaries. And I had to accept that I have to put up boundaries. And thank you for sharing that. That was powerful. So, Tanisha, what does acceptance mean to you today? Well, there was a lot that I had to accept. And I will say that acceptance for me, and just like Andrea said, it was surrendering. That's where I got to the point where I had to realize I don't care how smart I am or how smart I think I am. I had to realize that Tanisha does not make good decisions, not by herself. Once I realized that the missing piece was, like I said, I had strayed away from spirituality and God. I went through those dark days, had a resentment towards him and just had my own battles. But then once I realized, okay, Tanisha, how many times are you going to bump your head before you get it? I came to a point where I had to accept that I was not, I wasn't doing a good job at life, period, you know? So I had to give it over to someone or something. And the only someone or something that I could trust enough in was my higher power and say, you know, all right, I'm just going to give it to God. And that's the only way that I knew, you know, the only, the only avenue that I felt I had left. And that was an amazing amazing acceptance for me yeah, yeah. Um, just realizing that I was not in control even when I was in control and I was trying to take control I was not doing a good job at it well thank you for sharing that and I know that acceptance for me <laughs> which, which is interesting because I do it every day right every day I get another wow like an email from God right you know one thing I do know and will come to understand and accept is that I cannot live with the use of alcoholic drugs I can't do it. Can't drink, can't get high, can't do it. That my destiny and active addiction can't coexist. I can die slowly, act like I'm living, but I can't do the destiny thing. I've come to accept that there is a powerful miracle working God that loves me in spite of myself. 
that moves me toward becoming my best self on the day-to-day if I invest in that. And he was working with me the whole time while I was kicking and screaming and going down the river sticks. He was like, just, he had me, my naked neck. Come to accept that. Come to accept another thing that I think is very important in the service is that I'm going with believing rather than thinking in most of I partner with people who have significant challenges like myself. And for me, what's really big is even if you're not doing your best, I have to believe that you have the best. Just that belief, that communication with people, power. I've come to accept that people want to be heard, respected, and connected. And if those things happen, this startling metamorphosis takes place in people. Then we start to develop relationships, have true engagement and trust. We uh, start to identify what sincere, uncritical acceptance really looks like. And poof, we all end up right here on Good and Grace, the Recovery Hour. Yay! On Wednesday, hump day. We would like to take a moment to acknowledge some of our partners in recovery. We are appreciative partners of the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network and would like to acknowledge them for providing peers with mental health resources and opportunities to become certified peer specialists in specific domains of their recovery. You can visit their website by going to www.gmhcn.org. We are also proud to be in partnership with the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse. They provide multiple recovery resources in the CARES Support Warm Line. You can visit their website by going to gasubstanceabuse.org. So I want to kind of segue into some other things. I know that, Sandy, you're already a certified peer specialist for parents which is this incredible thing that a lot of people don't even know what that is. Certified peer specialists are people who use their lived experience and partner with other people so that those people can live lives of whole health and wellness, hopefully in the communities of their choices. So obviously certified peer specialists for parents partner with parents so that they can better understand the equations such as addiction, incarceration, etc. I know that you guys, both Tanisha and Andrea, are in the process of becoming certified peer specialists as well. Yay! <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. We got to get the crowd sounding. Pray for us. Yes, yes. And, and so, and myself being a certified peer specialist for mental health, certified peer specialist for addiction, certified peer specialist for whole health, and certified forensic peer specialist as well. I guess that means I just had a lot of issues. <laughs> so I tried to get a band-aid for each issue. But let me ask you a question. Why do you want to become a certified peer specialist? So for me, I would love to become a certified peer specialist. Number one is because I see the importance in education. And I like how you touched on it's first about becoming aware. If you don't have the knowledge and the training and everything behind it, then you're moving blindly and you don't really have that background. But also, I just want to be able to use that training to help empower other people like me become a active and supportive part of my community. Yes. And, and so I want to thank you for saying that. And I want to go back and reflect that certified peer specialists are persons who have become certified to partner with other people for specific domains of their recovery. I want to shout out to the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network, which is one of the best organizations 
who lead the league in development of peer support specialists across the nation, as well as the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse, which also lead the nation in creating certified peer specialists for addictive disease. Shout out to our partners. You can go on Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network website, look up CPS training. They have them four times a year. You can find that on their website. If you go to the Georgia Council on Substance Abuse website and the CARES, they let you know when those trainings are and the specific criteria to get into those trainings as well. So as I was going to ask you, Andre, why do you want to become a certified peer specialist? I'd like to continue to advocate for women. Trauma, especially sexual trauma, affects us in so many different ways long term. How I feel about myself, how I go into every relationship that I'm ever in, and, and, you know, and it bleeds into all the decisions that I make as a person, as a mother, as a partner. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a kind of a chicken and the egg kind of a theory. I don't know whether or not my own experience with mental illness is a byproduct of the trauma. Is it a byproduct of my addiction or vice versa? But I do know that they're all connected. And uh, and I would just, I'd really like to be able to give back and help support young women that may possibly have lost their way and, and are unsure because the way that I chose to seek out validation and to seek out connection is not the way. If there's any way that I could turn my pain into purpose and help another young woman walk a less harmful path and to be able to find her joy. That would be absolutely amazing. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. Dandy, why did you become a certified peer specialist for parents? It's like becoming a unicorn. Is it because you were already one and you just got your horn polished? Or well, how does that work? <laughs> That's funny. Honestly... I stumbled upon this position uh-huh. in a sense where I was working at a collection agency for a little over 10 years and the company had did some changes. Pretty much my position was phased out. I was looking for a job and a very good friend of mine knew what I was going through with my son and she said, Tandy, there's a great job. I think you'd be great for it. And I was like, really what? And she said it. She explained what it is. CPSP. What is that? I didn't know what it was. And she explained it. And I was like, Okay. So she gave me the person to reach out to, and I was like, okay, I could do that. Because prior to finding out about this position, I was saying, you know what? I worked at a collection agency for years. I mean, grateful for the job, but it it wasn't meaningful. Like, I wasn't doing anything for anyone. Like, putting somebody in collections is not meaningful, you know? And um, I feel horrible about it. So I was like, if we're going to do a career change, I want to do something that's going to make a difference. So that was my heart. That was my heart's desire. So she told me about it, and so she referred me to an agency. I reached out to them. I had to make sure that I qualified, you know, how long was I in the recovery process with my with my child and actually to my children's children. And so that's how I became into it because I wanted something meaningful. I didn't know that this position existed. However, once I got in it, I didn't realize the need of this. You know what I mean? And I realized how important there's a reason why it's Medicaid billable because there's a real purpose behind helping families and supporting them. I tell parents all the time, listen, they'll ask me things. I'm like, hey, I'm not clinical. That's something you want to address with the therapist. I'm not clinical. However, I do remember when I felt that way and what you're feeling is real and then building, you know, a connection and and then feeling comfortable speaking to me. And it it has changed my life. So I go into this whole thing excited because it's something meaningful, but it was far more meaningful than I ever could have imagined because I do know the need. There's a huge need. Families need support. Parents need to be, as you said, 
heard, respected, and connected. And generally, parents who are raising children with mental health challenges or in active addiction, is they're very harshly judged. Mm-hmm. So I was always judged because everybody had, you need to do this, you need to do that, you're not doing this enough, you need to be more of that. You need, everybody had an opinion mm-hmm. of me. And it's insulting after a while. It's like, you know, you don't think I tried that? <laughs> and I have an idiot written across my forehead. Of course I know that. It doesn't work. You know, it's because it's different. When I speak to parents and they will say to me all the time, wow, you get it. You understand. I'm like, yeah, I really do get it. I do understand. And, and there's nothing wrong with you for feeling that way. Anyone in your shoes would feel that way. So it's helped me to even grow as an individual, more empathetic, really just recognize that everything I went through, you know, though it was painful. It wasn't for nothing. Mm-hmm. And if I had to go through all of that to help empower families and, and help them come up and let them know that there's hope, then it was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. I just never want to go through it again. I know, right? So, <laughs> Let me put that out there. Yeah. So I want to ask you guys again, because I know at the beginning of this broadcast, we said creative women. I get a chance to partner with you guys, and I realized that you guys have an abundance, overabundance. I don't even know what word kind of sums it up of talent, skills, abilities, gifts. I mean, it's off the hook. You're artists, you're authors, writers, just media. You're, even your card says creative consultant, you know, cook, you sing, you dance, <laughs> all these things. So, because I know you guys got merchandise and stuff out there and you guys have skills that are really that people need because I know that what you guys have brought to the table in our partnership is invaluable. It's no no match for it. And that's why we're sitting here. Because I think it's really important. If I was going to have like a unicorn ranch, <laughs> could you imagine if you went live, I got a unicorn ranch book. <laughs> anyway, tell us about your creative drive, your successes, hopes, dreams, gifts, skills, merchandise. Give us something. And I know you guys are so humble, it's hard for y'all to do it. You don't want to do it. I don't want to tell everybody how gifted I am. They might kidnap me. But anyway, we'll, we'll risk it. Poet Streams. Tell us about the stuff. I write poetry that can be hung on a wall, set on a coffee table. It is really, like I said, with my why earlier, it's inspiration. I love to inspire people as well as I write poetry for specific industries. So I have something for hair salons. I have something for gyms. And then I also do have something that's customized. So somebody will say to me, okay, can you create a poem? And so I have a little questionnaire that I ask them. And based upon how they answer the questions, I will create something that they can even, if they want to take the copyright, they can do with it because there's nothing, it's specifically for them. So that's what I do. I'm in the process of creating an Etsy store. It'll be called Poetic Streams to You. So it used to be started out as inspirational decor. Like I said, it could be hung on a, on a wall or on a, on a desk or on a fireplace mantle. But now I'm going to be placing my expressions on items. So they'll be on mugs. It could be placed on a t-shirt. It could be placed on a water bottle. That way it's not limited to a wall or a coffee table. And they're great gifts. So I have items for teachers. I write a lot of acronyms. And so I have teachers. I have poetic expressions for mothers, fathers stepfathers. You name it, I have it. And if I don't have it, I'll create it if you need it. Wow. Man, makes me wish I had money. Yay! <laughs> anyway, so Andrea, tell us about your gift skill there, all this stuff. We met today for lunch and part of part of the beauty of food is that everybody's got to eat. It's, yes. how, it's how we connect. It's the heartbeat of every home in the kitchen. Yes. And if you want to get to know another culture, eat their food. My goal is to teach 
to teach other people to cook, or make a little more out of a little less. Cooking on a budget is huge. You know, in this in this day and age, it's hard to find time. So find the time, make the time to either prepare a meal or teach somebody else how to prepare a meal. And I think it's a skill that transcends gender. After my time in the restaurant industry, I, I burnt myself out, and then I kind of shut down. And in my effort to stay creative in my recovery, I decided to start painting, and I uh, I love it. I do acrylic pouring right now, and uh, I'm looking into some intuitive style paintings. So I'm really looking forward to working with you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, most of most of what I do hangs on the walls of our home, and uh, I've sold a couple of pieces, which is pretty awesome. But right now, I just I do it. I just do it to keep me. It yep, keeps yeah. me balanced, keeps yes. me sane, keeps my creative juice flowing. Yeah. Um. So who knows where it'll go? But food and cooking and teaching—that's that's what I dream about. Yeah. I have dreams about cooking and teaching still. So that's what I'd like to keep on doing. Yeah. So we're definitely going to bring those to reality. Remember, she said it. <laughs> she said it on the radio. That's right. And Tanisha, I know your card says creative marketing consultant. What do you do? Tell us about your stuff or we need a whole nother show. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I probably could go on and on. And that's because I, for as long as I can remember from childhood, I've always been interested in anything using my hands. Me and my dad did drawing contests growing up. In high school, all of my electives were art-driven. You know, I had to have an art elective. I had to have a home neck. I was sewing very young. Once I got out of high school, I remember a friend of mine, and I used to go over their house, but I connected with their mother more than anything because she was just as creative as me. And we started this business. We started painting murals in churches. So we would go around oh, you have a nursery in your church? And we would paint it. Oh, it's art. We would just paint, you know, <laughs> paint on the walls. That was just something big to be like, oh, I get to paint on the walls. Like, you know, yeah. not just a canvas, <laughs> a whole wall. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? And then I met someone out in the mall. He was an airbrush artist. And he took me under his wing because he saw that I could draw. He took me under his wing and he had me draw all of his pictures up, sketch them up before he painted them. And, you know, I would do that. And then it went to me designing rugs for a different company. He taught me actually how to do all of the graphics as far as computer-based graphics. And then I was designing the t-shirts, heat pressing shirts. I went on to school. I did some work, did some CAD work, learning how, because I wanted to be an architect. I went to school several different times for several different things. Never finished. <laughs> Never finished. I went to school for fashion design because I wanted, I was always drawing clothes. I went to school for architecture drafting. I started learning the CAD design and the floor plans and all of that. One of my professors spoke into my life and said, you know, that's that's not going to be the lane for you. A woman, really, that's not her field. They don't hire you. My dream kind of died there. But, you know, I kept drawing and stuff like that. And then I created, started investing in myself. I started buying my own machines, buying my own software. And just like Tandy was saying, I was doing all of the vinyl cuts. I started doing the storefront windows and they had the hours and logos on the windows. I was doing studios, putting their logos up, painting. I guess because my actual field or career was in marketing, it led me to branding more mm -hmm. so because that was my connection to being creative in marketing. Not just going out and 
doing the outreach and talking to people and marketing that way. It was more so creating the marketing and branding people so that you had a visual to remember people by because that was what was really big for me. Now, here I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, yeah. yeah I, I still use every little piece of it. And it's so funny because people used to tell me all the time, well, you need to just find a lane and just stick to that one thing. But I just couldn't do that because I'm not the type of person that can just be in one box. Everything that interests me that is hands-on and creative, I love it and I like it and I like to tap into it. So I want to thank you, ladies, for sharing that. And I want everybody out there to know that Grit and Grace, a recovery community organization, is coming to Rockdale soon. We're going to be at 2800 Highway 138. Highway 138. And there is going to, we're going to, these ladies and their product, they're going to be there we're going to be teaching people this art. We're going to be making healthy meals. We're going to have the poetic stream flowing. Tanisha was the author and the creator of the name, the logos. You go on Grit and Grace RCO, the Facebook page. You'll see a lot of our work. We've already had opportunities from digital platforms that put messaging across the United States. And we can't wait to open our doors and bring this to you. I just want you to know... You ladies have really made this Wednesday the greatest Wednesday ever. That's right. Thank you. Listen. Unicorn Wednesday. Yeah, Unicorn <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah, that's a new. That's a thing right there. Unicorn Wednesday. That's right. And and so we're gonna have to have you back. I'm gonna ask you one more question in departing. What does recovery mean to you? Because a lot of people think that recovery is about what's wrong with us. That's just not accurate. And I think it's so very important. When people think of recovery, they we see a lot of negative messaging, a lot of negative imaging. And we see people out there who are in active addiction. That's active addiction. This is what recovery looks like. You know, recovery is attractive and it's responsible and it's amazing and it's creative and it's designing new systems. It's informing our old systems of how to be better. We're good partners in recovery. What does recovery mean to you, Tandy? Recovery to me is, first of all, having peace. Having peace with the acceptance factor. It's also living my best life. So now I can take my strengths because I recognize that recovery to me, one thing it taught me is the power of our strengths. I always knew I had talents. I never translated those talents as strengths. I just considered myself talented. Now that I know my strengths, I've identified them. And to build upon them, along with my faith, that helps me live my best life as opposed to sitting around trying to control everything so that I can have a great life. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And and it's a journey. So I I don't want to give the idea that I've arrived and and everything is perfect. It's not. You know, every day is a journey and I learn and I grow every day. But I'm in a way better place and I look forward to going even further. Yay. And Andre, what does recovery mean to you? It's a process. I don't say that I'm recovered. You know, I'm in recovery. I'm recovering. You know, so it's a a daily process. It's knowing I'm not not alone. It's definitely knowing that I'm connected. It's having faith in a higher power. It's the good days and the bad days. And knowing that they're all valuable. It's having the peace inside myself. It's beginning to know my own worth. I think most importantly, my perspective is changing. Every time we get to talk about our stories or share, you know, some of ourselves with one another, 
the story changes, the perspective changes, and it's not that my experiences change. It's just what's important, what's valuable, what I've taken from that experience is starting to change. It's starting to evolve and, and grow. Growing up is hard business. Yeah, I know, right? You know? <laughs> I know, right? I know, but it's uh, but it's key to really living. So that's what recovery is. You know? Well, I want to thank you, and I want to take this this moment while we're online to say welcome to the family. <laughs> thank we're you. Glad you're I'm here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in case you were wondering, you know what I'm saying? I know some people think their yeah, way through yeah, life. Yeah, you said it on the radio. <laughs> it was already on the radio. Yes, 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 yes. We were looking forward to when you arrived. We just didn't know when it was going to be, but it was today. Uh, and for that, we're so grateful. Oh, me You're too. such a gift to what we're getting ready to do, and we will welcome you as a partner. Tanisha, what does recovery mean to you? Recovery is the process of those transformations. The transformations that are taking place when people are discovering themselves, learning how to live life well, tackling those issues, whether mental or any type of challenges that you're dealing with, and then coming through that to live your life and find the best version of yourself and continuous work every day to keep that going. That's recovery to me, is that work every day to continuously be the best version of yourself. Wow. It's, it's grit and grace. It's grit and grace, baby. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So I would just like to say, you know, my name is Bill, and I'm a person in long-term recovery. I want to shout out to our sponsor, the Rockdale Stepping Up Initiative. Without them, we wouldn't be here. Uh, the tutelage of Commissioner Williams, our fearless leader, for giving a recovery a fighting chance here in Rockdale. Shout out to Judge Bill for, for making this part of her reality as well. We're going to do our best, and we know God's going to do the rest. So every Wednesday, 12 noon, hump day, we're, Tanisha and I are going to be bringing you an eclectic brand of guests. Probably won't be able to find more unicorns, but this was <laughs> Unicorn Wednesday. With that being said, I want to thank everybody, and y'all don't forget to come back. Be safe. Be blessed. Don't be stressed, and we'll talk to you soon. The Grit and Grace Recovery Hour Talk Radio Show is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. We would like to take this time to thank them for their continued support throughout our recovery journey.